Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And Kara, I'm a star. Why? What? Why? Well, Why? <laughs> Uh, what reason? You know how uh, I, I've described my adventures in Hollywood that I go to L.A. Yeah. I got in and out burger. I go get the Cobb salad or you try to pancakes make a at the deal. Girl, Girl, Girl's Hotel. I meet with fairly famous actors and, and well-regarded producers. They really? look me in the eye. They stop me mid-conversation when I'm on my rant. And they go, I just want to tell you you're a genius and we have to work together. Uh-huh. And then I leave and I call my agent and I say, that was the best meeting ever. Yeah. And my agent yeah, calls I've me had that goes, meeting. oh, they can't wait to work with you. And yeah. nothing. And yeah. like wash, rinse, repeat every three months for the last yeah. five years. I have just scored what? my first role. What? I am going to play the role of Kingston, the voice in the animated series of The Tooth Fairy Tale. What? It is an animated series about uh, the tooth fairy. <laughs> the tooth fairy. I'm serious. This is 100% serious. Why? This is my future. I have arrived. Why? So, why the guy, are you the producer. Yeah. Why? Because of you. Because Kara Swisher, after working my ass off for forty yeah. years, discovered yeah. me. Yeah. And anyways, he has decided whoever's producing this show. I don't know if it's Netflix or Hulu or okay. Joey Bag of Donuts or what stream. All right. This isn't platform. the Obama animated series because that would be cool. You know. I extend myself. You, you, you can't let me have my own victory. Right, go you? ahead. Sorry. I Sorry. like that. Oh, I'm on an animated series. Oh, is it the Obama? <laughs> Literally, that that's what you're about. That's what you're about. Anyways, well, is there even Meghan Markle involved? Anyways, no. Go it's ahead. but the other voices are John Lovitz and Fran Drescher, and oh. the producers. The producers have decided I have an authoritative voice, so I'm going to oh. be. Oh and my it's god! This pretty... could be another career. It's like a hand model, like right. It could right? be. A, you know what? You know. You know the woman who is in Marvel's Mrs. Maisel who plays the lesbian yeah. lady with the hat and stuff? She's the like a billionaire. lesbian lady with the hat. Let you me know, think. Okay. The, her, her agent. She okay. plays, I think, Marge. Or, oh, yeah. yeah she plays good. someone. And she's like got a billion dollars. Like someone was like, she's a billionaire from, from- No, Marge is the woman from Rhoda. She's made. She's a very talented anyway, woman. Yeah, that's she's right. Rhoda. But anyway, all of them. This woman also, I was looking, like has a zillion- Hank gadil- Azaria. He's like made $300 million. A gadillion dollars. Yeah. This could be big for you. This could be That's big. That's why I brought it up. Oh, wow. Got to start making Anyways, <laughs> you never know. You never know where life is going to take you. You have your plan. I thought I would wow. play, you know, the lead in, in as this hero professor that That's manages to break exciting. up big tech. 
You can and make some dough. You actually in a Netflix can make some drama dough. instead. I'm Kingston, the narrator of a tooth fairy tale. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> I'm really that's excited. Really nice. This is a big moment for you. It this is, is nice. exciting. I'm you nice. could actually do nice. well in this. I yeah. can see that. Uh, uh, someone who's not doing as well as Donald Trump's blog is gone from the desk of Donald J. Trump. I think it was like two Scaramucci's or three, maybe two point four yeah. Scaramucci's. What do you um, think of that? I just, it was ridiculous. I think he was just embarrassed because it was embarrassing. Like it started off embarrassing and then he realized it was embarrassing and then they didn't mm-hmm. have any numbers and he, he didn't realize people can pay attention to numbers on the internets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably puts Brad Parscale into a bit of hot water and they're supposedly coming out with a social media network, which is going to be a, 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 a bust because yeah, if he couldn't do right. a blog right, he can't do that right kind of thing, but you never know. The, the thing that struck me when I heard about it was mm-hmm. that- it, it, it for me just highlighted one uh, platform, specifically Twitter and Facebook, have mm-hmm. just levied so much damage on our nation. Yeah. And that is, if you think about the natural oxygen that this individual's ideas get on their own. Yeah. I mean, the, the presidency, the platform of presidency, the bully pulpit is obviously very powerful. These platforms on their own innovation have created tremendous platforms with a lot of people. Yeah. But what they also do, which he was unable to do without their without them, is their algorithms of amplification find that type of toxic, incendiary, mm-hmm. gas, gaslighting content, and they yeah. promote it. Yeah. And when you think about what has happened here and the fact that these ideas, these um, poorly thought out, low IQ, um, bigoted, weird ideas that he is constantly uh, throwing Pushing into the universe. Out. Throwing out. On their own merit, we decide they have absolutely no merit. But when the algorithms from Facebook and Twitter get a hold of them, they decide they have merit. Yeah. yeah. And it, we are so much better off. We're not suppressing his speech. There's no First Amendment issue here, which these platforms consistently wrap themselves in. This, to me, highlights that these organizations trade in divisive Agreed. content. And, and people just didn't want to read him like that. Like his followers don't operate like that. They don't, they well, operate. It didn't on, show up in our feeds any right. longer. It wasn't triggering. It wasn't sort of right. triggering. I, I hate to use that term, but I think one of the things that happens is it gets in those environments and in, in that, in the, using those tools and they are so much more incendiary than obviously he couldn't get anybody going with this stuff. And so it'll be interesting. He's going to start on his rallies again, which I think are going to sputter out. I think people are tired of the show, essentially. Um, there's nothing new in the show. And so I think that without Twitter, he has much less power. And it'll be interesting because yesterday, the Twitter, speaking of Twitter, had a huge freak out that Facebook might have let him back on, which they did not do. Um, mm-hmm. It was, but Twitter, of course, didn't like care to actually check. Um, and Facebook was like, we didn't let him back on. But what it is, is his pages are up there. They just, he's not allowed to post and they've suspended his ability to post. But, you know, people can comment on it. Um, that's there, like it just sits there like a sort of a graveyard and it's like people leaving flowers. And um, and they do that. And so everyone had a big freak out, but it'll be interesting because Facebook very soon will have to decide what to do about him on their platform. I don't think it's as powerful a platform as Twitter by any stretch of the imagination, but it's still a powerful one. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I'm, I'm excited to see a social media network, you know? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, right. I told you my name for it, right? I have so What's many that? names for it. Well, okay. either Mindspace or Titter. I think that was the two names. <laughs> huh. Mindspace? Get it? Mindspace. Yeah, it's a sophisticated of. joke. 
Yeah, well, it's over my Germans and possibly World War II what? Germans. Who do you think I am? Space. Someone who does voiceovers for the Obama animated series? <laughs> I can't believe I'm still German like wrote. I can't. I still believe you said. Yeah, I'm just, I just I'm, was noticing yesterday the Obamas are doing animated series. They're just like, what are they doing? I just don't even understand the whole media situation. I guess they've decided they're going to like. You know, every break president out. goes through that. What do I do I just, now? Whatever. Decade. They all go through it. Um, I don't know. They all go through it. Obama, for the first 24 months, was, yeah. you know, on different various yachts of yeah. billionaire Democrats. Playing and now I think he's trying to figure out, like, hey, all right, what am I going to do? I don't know. I don't like anything he's done so far. I don't like their media. I don't mm-hmm. like their little media thing at all. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I you know mean- what it is? I think he's I, – I actually think Obama – I think he has such a powerful voice and he's such a young man. Yeah. And I think his, his, his wife is such a fantastic, yeah. I don't know, spokesperson for, for various things that – I think people would like to see them a little bit more in the game. Yeah. Uh, as opposed Agreed. to just just doing production deals. And they have the right to do whatever they want. Yeah. They've, they've it earned just seems it, a little cheap. Seems a little cheap what they're doing. I got to say. Best ex-president ever, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, have a little, I don't know. I just don't, you know, I, look, not, I don't know. I guess George Bush is sort of painting, I guess. And he's sort of keeping Very quiet. Very likable guy. Um Although more likable now, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. In any case, it's a really interesting time. So, so I'm going to go right to the big story because I think we okay. need to discuss this. Because we're speaking of the Twitter, yeah. uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission is saying that Tesla has failed to oversee CEO Elon Musk's tweets. <laughs> <laughs> They're concerned. Who predicted that? They're concerned. They're really concerned at this point. The regulator said that Elon Musk's use of Twitter twice violated the court-ordered policy that his mm-hmm. tweets would be pre-approved. Twice. I'm sure it's like 400 times by in-house. I don't know if they're paying attention. As a reminder, in 2018, the settlement Tesla and the Securities and Exchange Commission agreed that Mr. Musk had committed fraud by tweeting about a potential buyout of his company. Now the SEC is alleging that Musk twice tweeted about Tesla's solar roof production volumes and its stock price without going through the appropriate approvals. Meanwhile, Dogecoin is once again soaring after the cryptocurrency trade platform Coinbase listed the meme coin, and Elon Musk tweeted about the inevitable rise of Dogecoin um, while he was talking down Bitcoin, kind of, which is interesting. So he's using Twitter a lot. Just yesterday, there were like 90 of them. And I was like, just two? Just two? And it's, you know, at this point, I I think he should do whatever he wants because they don't seem to have any interest in regulating him at all. I mean, I don't think it's his fault at this point. What do you think? I had a few thoughts when I saw this. And okay. the first is we on the left, I think, do ourselves a disservice by believing that progressive ideals are not acknowledging that there's a difference between men and women. I think the sexes okay. are different. All and, right, okay. Well, I, I thought I about, think so. I, I have children. About, I know this. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Doll, dolls. Yeah. yeah, put a boy and a girl down and then put dolls and cars down and see what happens. Anyways. Well, I don't know. Clara likes cars. But I think, anyway, but go ahead. Yes, but there are different. I am the voice of Kingston. <laughs> Okay. I am the voice of Kingston. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Just give me some room here. Okay. So, can you think of? So, one of uh, a great male attribute is decisiveness, mm-hmm. and a, 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 an unfortunate externality of that decisiveness is that sometimes those de- decisions aren't well thought out or considered. Okay. Can you think of a woman, a woman of power, yeah, who does who doesn't who has actually put out. I don't know, messaging with mm-hmm. 140 or 280 characters and not said to herself, should I do this before I press send? Yeah, they can't think it. When you talk about it, if you were to tell me, all right, here's an individual who's going to send a tweet out that could potentially incite violence, or this is an individual putting a tweet out that could threaten mm-hmm. his ability 
to put people in space, right. to electrify the world. Yeah, he can't resist. Can you think of a woman anywhere in the world yeah. who does this shit? No, I cannot. And it's it's it, it really is, there's a lesson here for young people, and that is everybody needs people in their lives that are guardrails. You know, I, mm-hmm. have, this, I have this guy, I've talked about him, a, a very generous, like, successful man mm-hmm. who's very involved in NYU, a guy named William Berkeley, Bill Berkeley. He calls me mm-hmm. on a regular basis on a weekend. He doesn't even say who he is. He doesn't even say, are you busy? He doesn't say, hi, Scott. He's like, for yeah. someone as smart as you, you say really stupid things. Ah! And then he goes <laughs> on to like, tell me. And then he goes on to tell yeah. me. Yeah. What I've done that's wrong. Oh, what did and, you do recently? Uh, you know, I put out this grid of universities that were going to perish. And he's like, why would you say universities that are struggling are going to perish? He's like, mm. that's not helping those universities. Mm-hmm. No. And I really don't like these calls because he has this habit of being right. Yeah. And it is so, it is such a gift for me. So this me. guy just calls you? I kind of like that. I'm going to start doing that. But go ahead. You do that. You just oh, text right. me. I do. I do. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck? You call Shell Samrick and we're seeing them. I mean, you just like go after me. Just go after me. All right. Go ahead. Anyways, so, but anyway. people need Bill Berkeley's and Kara yeah. Swisher's in, this, yeah. in their lives. And you know what? This guy clearly doesn't have that. Yeah. yeah. And it is such a poor reflection. Think about this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on... I'm a, I just got off one public company board. I'm just about to go on another. What if I was the largest shareholder on one of these boards and I put out a tweet saying we're taking the company private at a 60% premium? Right. Right. And then, I mean, if I started doing that shit, yeah. I would probably be. Yeah, I just was noticing some of his tweets. In How much is that doge in the window? Hauled him for the courts. He's he really has. Um, or, or what if I what if I diamond had hands, the company diamond hands credit to our master of the coin? He's really like, what doing if a I lot. or what what if I bought a ton of this this had the company which I was the largest shareholder of use their balance sheet to buy a bunch of a crypto currency and then use my influence online to pump it and then because we were going to miss earnings I sold it out of profit to wallpaper over the fact that we missed earnings and then I started being critical of it and it crashed do you know what would happen to any board member or CEO in America so talk about the board members because at this point I don't think it's his fault like right like if no one's going to stop him not the SEC, not the board. Why would he? Like, because he doesn't have, look, we all realize Elon Musk doesn't have a whole lot of impulse control, right? That's not a new, fresh idea. Um, what do you, ha- what could happen? They're, they have no credibility, SEC, at this point. To- oh, I don't, I think if you wave your middle finger long enough in the face of the government, he's been they waving will it for years. Like, I, I, let me put it this way. Two words, Gary Gensler. Okay. All right. I, I think this guy, I would not want to fuck with this guy. And also, I think during the Trump He's administration- He's the new SEC head for those who don't know. Well, ahead. the Trump administration was fond of, of, uh, of uh, kind of circumventing or kneecapping any government agency. They weren't supportive. Yeah. They didn't. They were cutting budgets everywhere. Reagan started the screed against the government. Biden doesn't. Biden doesn't uh, sign up for that. Biden supports these organizations. I think they're getting additional funding. Mm-hmm. I think this Gensler individual is a smart, serious guy, and I, I think he. I think they're. And it's interesting where they're going at, after them. They're going after them around a different issue, right? Their their entry point here um, is around Dogecoin. What did they mm-hmm. uh, around the, his tweets around? What, what, what were they upset about? I forget. The SEC is upset this is about, about this is about solar panels. This is oh about yeah, solar like panels. I wouldn't yeah. guess that. Yeah, and I this think this is that a public they, company. This is solar, uh, his solar company. But go ahead. But they've said, okay, enough is enough. Find out legally where he has really caused tripwires here, and the board, the board is a terrible board. 
A mm-hmm. board is supposed to – it is very hard as a CEO to read the label from inside the bottle. Mm-hmm. And your, your board is supposed to be able to look at the company, look at the dynamics, look at the numbers, look at the market and say, you know, for someone who has some distance from this situation, Elon, you probably shouldn't be saying that we're taking the company private when that's a lie. You probably yeah. shouldn't be saying funding secured. You probably shouldn't be manipulating um, an asset class to pay for earnings and then taking it down. You're putting us all at risk. Right. The board is probably uh, – I mean, boards have never – board members never go to jail. There's only been like eight board members in the history of – or like the last 20 years that actually had to come out of pocket. The first thing you ask when you go on a board is what's your DNO insurance? Right. But this board, at some point, they're going to start naming names on this board. And go, you know, I have spoken to several, and they just say, "Well, we let Elon be." Elon. I, that's what you get out of them when you talk to them. Like, what do you, this you know? Whole boys will be boys thing is bullshit. Right. I just well, don't buy that. Oh, it's not his fault. What was interesting control. is he retweeted something a day ago from last July, um, where it's a picture of a cloud with a dog face on it, saying, and it says Dogecoin Standard, and then and then it's going to cover the global financial system. I think it's a picture of a sand attack in. In Saudi Arabia, it looks like one of those things. Hmm. Um, And so it's really, I I don't quite know how he can keep doing this, but he's very subtle. It's interesting how they're going to figure it out, how they're going to do that. But I think this board just doesn't want to rein him in. They just don't rein Elon in is the the theme of that. It's because they're Um, not a board. There are a bunch of people that show up. And they've made a ton of money. They got yeah. options, so they've made. They've all probably made just an options for the board, probably somewhere between five and fifty million each. And they just show up and nod a lot, and then massage his back and tell him what a genius it is. And they don't do their job. They should never be allowed to be on a board again. It, well, they're terrible they, fiduciaries. Well, terrible look at the money they're making is massive. You know. Well, that's but that's a fair point. It's it's easy to ignore things. It's easy. It's easy not to say uh, you're damaging the world when it's raining money. Your vision gets blurred. But a fidu- the term fiduciary, it's a very specific term, and it's a wonderful term. Mm-hmm. It means you are supposed to represent other people's interests. That's what it means to Although be a fiduciary. the fans love it. Like, look, the fans love it. They go, they egg them on. And the same thing, you know, in the millennial sort of stock market with AMC. Look at the AMC stock going up to whatever a share. Was it 40 yeah, and 70? That doesn't appear to be one individual. It appears right. to be a, a pump and potentially dump or a poop and scoop of, across people that are doing nothing different than any hedge funds it's doing the and 50s, they're being successful. Right, yeah. Yeah. But it's not an individual taking it up and then taking the proceeds to increase their earnings and then taking it down. If we find out that after SNL, he bought more Dogecoin and now is pumping it, I think he's in real trouble. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think this shit is getting pretty serious for him. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. he doesn't have anyone around him to say, Boss, what the actual fuck are you doing? What are you doing? This is not in your self-interest. Stop it. Yeah. The AMC stuff is a similar thing. Do you think it – so it doesn't relate. It's just what it is. Like looking at the the stock thing, it's just – it went from – I don't know. In this year, it's gone up and down. The day's range was forty-one to sixty-two dollars, which is we and a fifty-two week range, one ninety-one to seventy-two sixty-two. That is crazy. And that it was doubled yesterday. in value yesterday. Yeah, it yeah. doubled in yesterday, value yesterday. Went and up to seventy-two. Now it's down in fi- in the fifties. But obviously, people are like pumping and whatever they're doing, pooping. Well, scoop, it's become it's totally detached. It's Typically, a meme stock again. Yeah, stocks are supposed to represent underlying cash flows or ownership, and there's a few companies that have become basically currencies for, you know, for, for I don't want to call it gambling, gambling speculation. Yeah. And they're allowed to do that. And yeah. if they use, they're using Reddit and Twitter. Uh, Bill Ackman and Carl Icahn used to use Barron's and, and CNBC. Mm-hmm. So they're not doing anything wrong. But when, an, it, it's just strange to have a company in the middle of all of this because AMC, 
there's nothing's changed about this company from a secular standpoint. Nothing has right. changed about the actual company. I think it's yeah. still in trouble. I think that they they were smart. They raised, I think, another two hundred and fifty or four hundred million in capital to take advantage of this crazy stock price. Yeah. But I think that capital is going to be. A peer, not a bridge to a future. Well, interesting. They they are offering free popcorn to meme stock investors. AMC is, which is like <laughs> taking part world. of it. And it's obviously, the Memorial Day weekend did very well for them. But that's because people there's sort of this pent up um, feeling of wanting to go. Um, they they did very well over the holiday weekend. Um, so, but the the problem is, did you go to one? Did you did you go to one? Go to go to one a what? movie theater. Have you gone to a movie theater yet? I went to IPIC uh, a bit ago, and the, yeah. you still had to wear a mask. I love IPIC, and I don't know if you saw, speaking of your favorite theaters, mm-hmm. Alamo, yeah. by the way, bankruptcy yeah. can actually be quite cleansing yeah, and liberating. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Alamo's announced that they're actually going to open post-bankruptcy um, right. to uh, new theaters in Manhattan. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think, I think an organization like AMC, I think the company would have actually been better off long-term had right. it been able to go through bankruptcy and get rid of a lot, a lot of its leases that are albatrosses. I don't yeah. think the company's sustainable with its current cost structure. Right yeah, now. probably not. But like two movies, A Quiet Place 2 did very well. Um, it oh, grossed 57 right. million at John Krasinski. Um, and, and you know, the, 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 there was uh, there was $100 million over in North America over the holiday weekend, um, which is the strongest performance since COVID started, which is incredible. Um, and of course, the people at Paramount and every place that was saying it shows that there's a big recovery happening. Um, and they do have a lot of hits. Um, uh, they have a lot of hits coming um, for this summer. They've got In the Heights, uh, Fast and Furious, Black Widow. They've got Top Gun. They've got all kinds of things coming. Um, but I just feel like it's, I, you know, people are giving me a hard time. Look, AMC's stock is up. I'm like, it's a meme stock. It's not, doesn't yeah, mean anything. Um, so I wonder if it will continue and or not. How do you look at that? When, when you, you say it, what is it? The, the, the people are coming back to the theater because oh, like, no. for example, In the Heights high. is going to simultaneously be in the theaters and on HBO. I'm going to watch it on HBO. If you want to get a group of people in denial together, invite people over who own office buildings and movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to go back to the movie theater. We want to go back once or twice. We're going to go back. There's some people who love it. But the structural shift is that 20 to 30 yeah, percent of the people who used to go to movies regularly have found out, oh, my God, there's amazing content. And then they upgraded. They bought a new TV at Best Buy yeah. while they, because they were at home so much. Oh, and there's just uh, uh, there's been literally the, the total box office take. And domestic theaters is is somewhere between six and eight billion a year. Yeah, small. That additional money has gone into streaming programming just in the last twelve months. On well, top of the thirty to billion. See how they there. test this. Warner Brothers is going to release all of the twenty twenty one films both simultaneously in the theaters on an HBO Max. Quiet Place. Uh, it's not two is not going to the Paramount Plus platform for forty five days. That was on at the insistence of mm-hmm. uh, John Krasinski and others who were pushing. Um, could attract new people, but that's 45 days. Like I'm going to, I'll wait for that particular movie, but it, it'll be interesting to see what deals these, these creators get, like whether they get theaters first, they seem to be insisting on theaters first, because that's the way their deals are structured. Um, and how do you decide how much they help a platform when there's multiple things on it? So it, it'll be an interesting time for them to sort out the finances of this. Um, I can tell you, I, I haven't gone back in a theater and I think probably Fast and Furious will be the first one. I see there. It'll, it'll Maybe either in the be, you'll, you, you'll go, it's the same as office buildings. People yeah. will still, office buildings will still exist. There'll just mm-hmm. be a third fewer of them. Theaters will still exist. 
there might be 50% fewer of them. And there's still a home for content, mostly with men in capes or people driving very fast cars or spot, you know, these big bursts or or, uh, Avenger, whatever it is. James Bond I'll probably see in the theater. Right. Yeah. If 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 Bezos can't strike a deal to put it seven days early on Amazon Prime, uh, uh, a Prime Video, Prime Video. But there's these things are in structural decline. And the, what what people fail to realize or don't often consider is that if twenty percent or if there's a gross demand destruction of people going back into offices of twenty to thirty yeah. percent, that probably makes fifty percent of office buildings no longer tenable or viable. Yeah. Yeah, that's because if sure. if they're levered up seventy to eighty percent and they lose twenty percent of the revenue, the building no longer makes sense. And then the bank comes in or the debtors come in and say, "Okay, we own this building now. What?" And I think a lot of them are going to say, "We're going to convert it to something else, either residential or some some sort of other mixed use or something." But you're going to see a lot of buildings flipped upside down. I would every- agree. It'll be interesting to see how much people go back to work and say, September seems to be the drop, everyone going back for good. Like for three days a week, Apple announced it. I know other tech companies were less so. But I think most companies, September seems to be when everybody's going to see. We'll see what happens then and how people like it. There's but a lot that, of people resisting it, as yep. we've talked about. So that, we'll see. That's a perfect analogy, though. Three days a week. Yeah. Because the, the fastest way to process information is zero one. So we're all trying to decide whether it's we all go back to the office and it's same, same, or none of us go back to the office and all remote. And the answer is it's neither. Yeah. Yeah. So if if the majority of America goes back to the office three days a week, that's yeah, a forty percent demand destruction in office yep. space. Yeah. Digital it, works. I you know how many days a week I'll go back to the office? Zero. Zero. Well, you've always done. You were a pioneer. <laughs> yeah. But there'll there'll be different asset classes to the, uh, the malls are an actually an interesting metaphor. And that is what's going to happen with office space is people are going to have companies are going to decide to have dramatically less square feet, but they're actually going to spend more per square feet. Oh, and they're going to say if we're going to bring people in uh, less often, we want it to be experiential. We want huh. young. It's for basically a recruiting tool. Yeah, we want people to meet others. We want it to be aspirational. We want people to feel really good about J.P. Morgan. We want them to feel really good about you know ab- yeah, about GoDaddy really or whatever awful. it is. We offices want pe- are awful. I hate offices. I, that's why I stopped going to them. I hate them. Yeah, but Facebook and Google got this. They started yeah. investing. In, you know, the tech companies that get it. They're like, let's make the office place a great social place. It was almost like a means of compensation. Yeah. It was, not just yeah. to store them and Food, put them in stalls. Massages, so the tier out. A stuff, similar to the way general growth properties and Simon Malls actually did well through the destruction of the majority of the destruction in the last 30 years of malls. Because the top malls, yeah. there's a flight to quality. Yeah. So, but the tier two and tier three office space, oh my yeah. gosh. Yep. Look out it's below. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. All right, Scott, time for a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about the FOIA release of Dr. Anthony Fauci's emails. We never, you never, you're never private and just in general from the early days of the pandemic and what it tells us and a listener mail question. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. 
because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, Scott, we're back. A trove of email correspondence from Dr. Fauci uh, during the early days of the pandemic had been released through a Freedom of Information Act. Within the emails, it showed some of Fauci's correspondence with Silicon Valley executives, including Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, where he insisted he was not being muzzled by President Trump. That was an interesting thing. Of course, that's what he's going to say in emails. What's he going to say in emails? And there's been a range of responses from the email dump. Obviously, Republican Senator Rand Paul said it's a, called Fauci a massive fraud, keeping up with this sort of weird online meme about him. Um, um, uh, you know, the, the right has sort of seized upon Fauci as some sort of demonic figure that they've made him into. Um, I, I thought the emails were dull and sort of showed a, a bureaucrat who doesn't want to say anything controversial to anybody in these things, um, you know, showed a little frustration with the, with what was going on and the confusion and figuring out what to do. But I, there was, I thought it was a big old nothing burger. It was, it, 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 these are the, these are FOIAs. So people don't know. Mm-hmm. Can you can explain be, a little bit about yeah, FOIA? FOIA and why is, it's a, a, is a way that you get, anybody can do Freedom that, of the Information way. Act. Right? Freedom of Information Act. And the public has access to all federal agency records. Include mm-hmm. Email would be one of the bigger things. That's why they have to preserve these things, although apparently the Trump administration didn't preserve all the stuff they were supposed to, but you're supposed to. Um, and then um, you can you can exclude things for, you know, security reasons, and they, they that's what they tend to do that quite a lot. But it's, it's, it's important to keep the government transparent and accountable, um, and people can pull all this stuff about misconduct, waste, spending, threats to public safety and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it's meant to increase transparency. And you just make a request and you wait. That's essentially what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this was, I think, the Washington Post requested this. Um, you put their request in. Um, there's, a, there's a cost to it uh, for them to search it and stuff like that. And you can FOIA anything. I could FOIA Scott uh, Galloway um, uh, if there's any mm-hmm. anything about you with the you, FBI. Do you want to FOIA Kingston? <laughs> Kingston. Come FOIA Kingston. Um, anybody can request a FOIA, but journalists mm-hmm use it quite a lot. Um, it's also, it's just agency records. And so, you know, that's why when you're, whether you're in a regular company or anything else, hard to get stuff out of a company, people can subpoena that information. But in the case of the government, um, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, they just, this is his emails between and among people and he's got to be seen. And so I think a lot of people are very careful. And I think that's what this uh, showed. And I thought they were, I just, I can't even get that, like, Ben Shapiro wrote a kind of an inane thing. Like, this shows he's prevaricating. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It shows he's trying to say nothing and trying to, like, do his job. Um, and, you know, she, some things, um, you know, people asking if if people are safe. Um, but he was trying to put out he's not been muzzled. And I, I think that's fair. I think he was trying to fairly say um, what he was doing. He was obviously clearly frustrated, visibly frustrated by them. Um, and then, you know, you have Zuckerberg asking if um, uh, if they could help. And that's, uh, you know, he got an offer from Morgan Fairchild to use uh, her Twitter account on his behalf. He had all, all kinds of letters. And then, you know, responding to the fact that there were like bobbleheads about him. Um, and this and that. And so he just said, just tweeted about should not be frightened. We're trying to help. Um, he wrote very pleasant notes back. Um, 
you know, he did. He just didn't. Here's one. There's Morgan Fairchild about people. There's nothing to be done right now since there are a few cases in the country and these cases are being properly isolated. So go about your daily business. However, be aware the behavioral adjustments may need to be made if the pandemic occurs. So this is right Wait, before Flamingo he Flamingo really, Road, Morgan Fairchild? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. She was outstanding in that. I yeah, really well, she that. actually is very active on Twitter. I think she's quite smart is on Twitter. She? So, um, yeah, so uh, she's got, gotten kind of an activist a little bit, I would say. Um, she's a hottie. She's in a any hottie. case, she's also very intelligent. She's she could a probably hottie. she'd probably be a voice over person if she wanted. Do you think um, Fran Drescher and I will be friends? I get the no. sense she's gonna like me. No. I get the Do you, sense. I don't think you like ever me. meet these people. Oh really? I don't think so. Oh wait, you're right. I'm in a studio. <laughs> yeah. There's no there's no like rap party? No. For I Kingston think you, I and think sometimes they're together, but I don't think you're together yeah, together. I, I don't right. get that sense. Um, you know, and so so like that. So anyway, so they uh, you know, they want to say no and um, and then there's a lot of people that insulted Trump and he just doesn't take the bait. He just says, thank you. So I, I, I don't know what to say. It's, it's a great way to know this. Um, you know, a lot of it is like, as, as Buzzfeed said, his tone is a mix of friendly and formal employing phrases like let's us discuss many mm-hmm. thanks. And in rare displays of displeasure, a delicate yikes. And he signs off his tone. <laughs> I mean, he just is sidestepping. Um, yeah, most I, of the, time. I, I, the, I, the term used was nothing burger. I read this and I thought, oh, wow, what happened? And I'm like, this is like bad porn. You expect mm-hmm. it to be titillating and it's just yeah. not. And, yeah. and the thing that struck me was after reading these things, you know, influence is so, it's really interesting to follow the cadence and the kind of currency of influence and who really has influence. Right. And I've been thinking a lot about the most important companies of the last 30 years are almost always venture backed. And 40% of all venture capitalists and probably 70% of venture capital influence mm-hmm. uh, comes from two places, Harvard and Stanford. And you're like, well, that in and among itself isn't terrible. 40% of venture capitalists went to one of two schools mm-hmm. and 70% of the powerful venture capitalists. So you have essentially the zeitgeist of these places that get 50,000 applications and let in 1,400 people. And mm-hmm. good or bad, there's wonderful things about Harvard and Stanford, but that mentality is effectively has just so much outsized influence over the most important companies in the sure. world. And then I look at this thing, and the thing that struck me is I read somewhere that billionaires on average speak mm-hmm. to their senator once a month. Yeah. And if you don't believe that the billionaire class yeah, has a disproportionate – and who are billionaires? Oh, what do you know? It's these white guys in tech. Mm-hmm. And you think, do we need serious thought around counterbalances – to this one type of demographic and mentality. I mean, diversity of the gene pool, diversity of thought is so important for successful outcomes. And it's not, I'm not being politically correct here. Companies with diverse boards, companies with people with different backgrounds, they just outperform companies where it's all groupthink because we're all from the same background. Mm -hmm. And the people that have access to an individual deciding the response to a pandemic all tend to be these white guy billionaires. And it's and they've earned it. I think Bill Gates is a very thoughtful guy around healthcare. Mark Zuckerberg controls a platform that could be really helpful. So I don't begrudge them. But we have to be thoughtful about what does it mean when a nation is essentially controlled by a demographic that now represents about 22% or 28% of the population in general and maybe isn't, isn't that in touch with America, do we mm-hmm. do we need counterbalances here? But I thought it's just a different world. I don't get to email Fauci. He doesn't write you yikes back to me. Does do you write him? I don't get a response when I, I, I when I send I an email to Doctor Fauci. But I, I bet he would. I bet he would. 
I don't know. You're right. I mean, obviously, he, he you know. Does he know I'm, I'm in the tooth fairy tale? Does I he doubt know? it. I doubt it. He'd if you're in the Obama voice. thing, he might. Um, anyway, he, he was, you know, he got, you know, he just, a lot of people, he responds to a lot more people than you think. It's really interesting yeah. once you get his email. And apparently he's quite, you know, I have people here in Washington, he texts and, you know, he's a normal person, like, and he has to respond. He's as a an public. inspiration. Look at how difficult, who's had a harder yeah. job than him? But I got to tell you, the attacks on him are really fascinating. My mother the it. other day, after Fox Newsing it. it for a long enough time. I was like, you know, he's a liar. I'm like, no, he's not. He's just changing with as you know, as the as the thing developed. They're, they're making a, they're trying to make a big deal of it, led by Rand Paul and others. Uh, that he's like, some I, I just don't get it. The far right h- hates Bill Gates when he's trying to take an interest in solving right. malaria, and then they ease up on him when they find out that he's then he's making inappropriate yeah. overtures to women at work. All of a sudden, yeah. they've gone quiet on the guy. Yeah. I just don't I, get. Anyway, these boy things are interesting. Them. They do give you insight. I think in this case, very little. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I, I I think he's a very careful public servant who's been doing it for 30 years and he's not going to like say Trump is an asshole in the middle of the whole thing. He's not, he's too smart to do that. He may think that. I suspect he thinks that, but you know, whatever. He doesn't do it. He just makes his little face and raises his eyebrows in public. And I think that's the most you're going to get out of him right wing. Sorry. And he was right. You know, he's one of three or four people that leaves contact with with Trump not not contaminated by the radioactivity. Yeah, they all did. They all did. Him. And also, by the way, Nikki Haley did a good job. Yeah. Um, she got out, but everyone, yeah. no one else le- left alive. Everyone else got mauled. Maybe Gary, Gary, from Gary Cohn, Cohn, maybe. No, sort I don't of. know about that. Sorry, really. I agree. I think he should have said really. something at, at the uh, Charlottesville thing. Anyway, Good, yeah, uh, there's lots of things he should have said. Anyway, he wanted to get his tax cut. Whatever. Um, okay, Scott, let's move on to listener mail roll tape. You've got, you've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hi, Kara and Scott. Nate here from Michigan. My question is regarding Roku. I noticed recently that Roku has acquired some shows that originated on Quibi. These are shows like Chrissy's Court with Chrissy Teigen or Cup of Joe with Joe Jonas. So my question is this. What do you think about Roku not necessarily being acquired by a larger company, and I know that's been talked about on the show before, but instead of being acquired, what do you think about them, Roku, acquiring content creators and other productions to start to offer an exclusive catalog to Roku users? Thanks so much. Well, is this not down your alley, Scott Galloway? You love oh, that. I don't Roku. know. Let me think. This Let is a think. Scott Galloway. Was this your like your cousin calling in for this one? Yeah, I planted that one. Um, yeah. Tell tell us what you think. Could Roku make a dent in content given the mega mergers of Time Warner Discovery, et cetera, et cetera? Roku and less so Shopify because it's received so much attention are probably the most under the radar innovative companies of the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And Roku has carved out a space. Can you imagine how difficult it would be for to that pitch initially? Oh yeah, I'm going to compete. I'm going to compete against uh, Amazon and hardware manufacturers and Apple and they've managed to carve out uh, a place and they're the number one uh, uh, streaming uh, hardware uh, for streaming. And th- the key the key one of the key kind of concepts in terms of adding more than 10 or 20 billion dollars in market cap has been verticalization and that is apple ford integrating into uh, stores and then if you look at netflix and spotify when their stocks really started to tear Mm -hmm. it's when they did two things one they dropped the first season of house of cards at proprietary content they ford they ford integrated into their own original content that you couldn't find anywhere else yeah and when spotify did that hundred million dollar deal with joe rogan 
and said, we're going to have original yeah. content. And this yeah. is what Roku's doing. They're like, we have an enormous audience. We can take that fire hose of that audience and spray it on our own content. The the users say this is differentiated content only available on Roku. So maybe I don't buy the Fire Stick or whatever it might be. In addition, uh, the CEO there's smart. He took a $1.7 billion investment in uh, Quibi and went in and picked it up for $100 million. Yeah. And Jeffrey did. Katzenberg. There's a lot there. Jeffrey Katzenberg, it's easy to make fun of Quibi. Jeffrey Katzenberg is a great storyteller, and there's probably some gems in there. There's probably yeah. some really interesting content that's fun. Is it award-winning? Is it going to you know, collect Emmys and Academy Awards? No, but is it fun, and is it a reason to tune in or, or think I like Roku a little bit more, mm -hmm. which, by the way, has a multi-billion dollar market cap, picked it up for $100 million? This is a... This is what, why distressed investing is the best asset class. This was essentially a distressed investment. He went into a $1.7 billion Why did building. nobody else grab it? I just That's an interesting question. I don't know if they have. I don't even know. Why. The format here doesn't play. Like, how does Viacom run three and six minute shows? Like, how do right. they, whereas Roku. Well, they could develop it into shows, right? I know that right. content creators owned certain parts of it. There were all these deals that, um, that uh, Katzenberg made where they got to keep their IP mm -hmm. in some way. I forget. I, I totally utterly forgotten. But there could be bigger shows here, correct? Because some of them were pretty good. They were sort of interesting. Sure. See what gets traction. And not only that, the thing about Roku that Quibi mm -hmm. really didn't have, because not that many people download the app, Roku has direct interface with the consumer, so they can yeah. get data sets on. It appears that people are watching, you know, Judge Chrissy or whatever it is with Chrissy Tagan or Tagan. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and we could develop into a 30-minute show, and then they can test it. And, I mean, that's really the key here. The thing about the yeah. streamers that people forget, they say, well, it's because it's ad-free, it's subscription revenue. Yeah, but they people also— watch anything. People watch just but for they have direct They have direct access to the data. Yeah, they can say, I okay, often go through Netflix and just watch the trailers, for, and there are long trailers there, which right. is interesting. So what type of content should they acquire? You're talking about distressed acquisitions. At some point, you don't want to have all the bargain basement shit, you know, and let everything else go to HBO, but all the good stuff. That's How when Netflix started. Uh, yeah, it's true. But how could they differentiate? Is it news? Because that's what they've all stayed out of news, right? Pretty much. HBO sort of dabbled in it with Vice News tonight, and that didn't work out so well. Um, how can they differentiate? That's a real, that's a really interesting question. I think that they've said, we're going to do this kind of high-end, fun, quirky, short-form content, i.e. Uh, Quibi. But what you brought up is really interesting, and that is the only final frontier that's going to go behind a paywall, or hasn't gone behind a paywall, news. is kind of news uh, news slash politics and business. Mm -hmm. There is no CNBC on Apple uh, or or Amazon Prime Video. There is um, uh, there is no there is no news. There's no CNN behind. Right, the they wall. tried that cheese thing or whatever. Where did that go? Cheddar. That, cheddar. Where did that go? Yeah, sold? I got bought by a French cable company. Yeah, whatever. Cheese. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't. Business have you insiders heard much about sort of went to the Germans and. I don't, yeah. you know, it sort of it sits there and generates traffic, I think, is what Actually, happens. Business Insider is, um, it's been a win both for the acquirer yeah. and for Business Insider. It's done yeah. really well. Um, but anyways, uh, they, uh, those are the final frontiers. And somebody is going to say, we're going to produce a 10, 20, 30 minute um, summary of the day's news or a 10, 20, 30 minute summary of the markets in the morning and give it, put it behind a wall, give it to our yeah. subscribers. Who's watching the Roku? Who is there? Who are their users? I don't even have any idea. Like, who, is it young? Is it I don't old? know that much about it. Yeah. We should, we should have out. the CEO on. He's a very bright guy. We should have an animated show. An animated news. There is. The I think what you need show. is an authoritative voice to do the voiceover. <laughs> Stephen on an Colbert does show. an animated news show, a funny one. Um, but um, do, do, you, do you think they're still going to get bought? Who? 
Roku. Like oh, no, it's, Netflix... too, it's too late. Roku's now the acquirer, not the oh, acquiree. Okay. Not Roku's Netflix. market cap is... Not Netflix saying no. that's enough of you people. No, Roku, no? Is a, Roku is now going to be uh, on top. They're going to be acquiring companies. This okay. is a company... This Who's is a company the creative 40, executive there? I don't even know. We'll $44 billion dollar market cap. I mean, that's what out. you realize. Roku's worth more than almost the entire cable bundle at this point. Yeah, all right. Okay. I mean, Roku, if you think about it, Roku's going to be worth... Almost as much as this new kind of discovery. I don't know what the equity value uh, is going to be there. Anyways, Roku is now a player. All right, so and they Quibi, plus or minus. What do you think of where Katzenberg goes next? Oh, I think he continues to be Jeffrey Katzenberg, a Hollywood icon, and he enjoys his, his t- you know, he, he's an incredible star- storyteller. I think he's a billionaire in his own right. I think he'll do a bunch of interesting projects and cool stuff. He's going to be exhausted. I yeah, but you know what? It. You know what? And this is this is a blessing. And this, I'm exhausted. I always say this to entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, it, it, the best thing is success. Yeah. Uh, uh, the second best thing is to fail yeah. fast. Yeah. And that is when you're at his age, he didn't want to find out that Quibi didn't work over 10 years. Yeah, true. It, it, you know, I started an e-commerce incubator in 1999 called Brand Farm back by really? Maveron, Goldman Sachs, a bunch of JP Morgan. Oh, yeah, and the best the thing bigs. about it was- yeah. The best thing about it was, was it failed in about six months. Yeah. You should have called me right away. I would have told you don't do that. Oh, I should have called you a lot of times. Yeah, anyways, exactly. <laughs> anyways, like, whereas no. Red Envelope, Red Envelope, oh, it failed yeah. over 10 years. I know, Worst but profe- you know what? That wasn't a bad idea. It was just early. That was early. Well, I appreciate that. that anyways, but my point is uh, success is the best thing, but a close second is to fail fast because okay. then you just move on. Brand yeah. Farm for me was a speed bump, whereas, whereas Red Envelope was kind of like, uh, you know, several hundred batteries of chemotherapy in my Vietnam over a decade. That's going to offend a lot of people. But anyways. That's a fair point. I'd be interested to see where Katzenberg goes. A decade-long failure really, really hurts. Agreed. Fast. Failing fast. It's like a bad marriage. Get out. Get out if it's bad. No. Quibi for for Meg and for Jeff is an annulment. No one's going to care. Fine, next. Yeah, Fine that's next. true. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. And ho- especially in Hollywood. I'd be yeah. interested to see where Meg Whitman's going to do. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, Scott, what is your prediction? It's been a very interesting show. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning about you and things. What's your Um, prediction? So I I think that we're going to see... I think that the subscription part of the world, look, the whole world is digressing to two business constructs, and it's either mm-hmm. iOS, where you pay a premium, uh, and you get more privacy, a more elegant solution, kind of the premium, or it's going to Android, where you get essentially the product for free, and they figure out a way to monetize you as a user. And by the mm-hmm. way, the majority of the world picks Android. Two-thirds of the world, 70-plus percent says, I love having a free phone. I love having free platforms. And if they mine my data and use it, and there's some externalities, I'll complain about it. But every day I vote to I vote to go Android, if you will. I think we're going to see increased market share across the iOS subscription part of the world. Even these things around Fauci's emails, I think individuals are really 
coming in touch or starting to understand Mm -hmm. just how negative some of the externalities and to the extent that they are as individuals being monetized. And this is a long-winded way of me uh, talking up one of my recent investments that I was actually introduced to because of you. I've introduced, I've invested in Neva, which ah, is subscription yes. search. Yep. And if you Shreda. think about search, a hundred and fifty billion dollar sector with one player that has a ninety three percent market share, mm-hmm. and that has never that would be happened. Google, go ahead. Google that has never happened in the history of business, and it is unsustainable. And the business model of ad supported media essentially says the key stakeholder is the advertiser. So we're not necessarily going to always look out for the person making the queries. We're going to take him or her not to the best place for their query, but a place we can further monetize them. And then the content creator gets less than maybe 1% Mm -hmm. of the value generated by their content because our focus is on the advertiser and trying to figure out a way to enrage people and get them kind of get their attention more. And it leads to really negative externalities. Subscription, whether it's the move to Netflix, whether it's the move to LinkedIn, more and more people like the idea of saying, I don't want my data molested. I want more privacy. I want a business model that focuses on the relationship with me. And 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 the smartest people aren't pitching advertisers. They're pitching new product ideas yep. that enhance my relationship and make it worthwhile for me to spend $12. Anyways, Neva's launched its beta, five bucks yeah. a month. I, we if talked they, to Sridhar. I think we brought him here, right? Didn't we have him on here? Yeah. We didn't have him here. I think you had him at Sway. No, I didn't have him on Sway. I didn't. Oh, really? I've, I've had him on. I've had him on. I believe we've had him here. Anyway, in any case, uh, I should have him on Sway. He's a really interesting guy. He's a he's a he's a very top executive at Google. He was right in the center of all that and sort of got tired of the way they were sucking information. I mean, that's his story. Obviously, he was there while he was doing it. But um, really interesting guy. He brought an incredible team of people, technologists. It is an uphill battle for him, I'm sure. He's so used to being on the on the Death Star essentially, um, and now he's in a tiny little ship. Um, but the ideas are really interesting. And he's a he's a real brainy and interesting uh, entrepreneur, and I, I like him. I like talking to him a lot. I think he's really interesting, and he's got. You're right. I think someone's going to have to do this. I mean, you have DuckDuckGo, you've got that, and uh, it, you're right. It's unsustainable. But what's hard is the is the thing you're fighting is inertia. Google's mm-hmm. like, oh, Google, it works, right? And yep. people like it. Like people, it has a. Uh, no matter how monopolistic they are and how much they're abusing your data, they're not Facebook, right? And they're right. not, you don't feel that way about them. Um, and they have, you know, there's a lot of positive positive brand attributes for Google going, same thing with Apple. There's a lot of problems at Apple, but they have really positive brand attributes. So I think it's tough, but you're right. I think in, in search in lots of areas, you know, the even, even Twitter Blue, if they actually put together something that you would want, um, is something I would consider. Oh, you think subscription? For. Twitter and subscription? That's a novel idea. <laughs> I but just don't but think, think about it this together. way. Subscription yeah. is such a superior business and the marketplace values it in a multiple of revenues versus multiple of EBITDA that if yeah. other players in search capture 1% of the revenue mm-hmm. of the search market, right. they'll capture 10% of the market cap, which by the That's way good, is $160 yeah. billion. Yeah. Yeah. So agree. you're going to see a variety of niche players, including Neva, that say we're going to exit the ecosystem that paints us into a business model where we're no longer focused yep. on the end consumer, the creator, we're focused we're on the advertising out of the picture. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really right. good, that's a very good prediction. I have a short prediction. Yep. Did you see that kid, Paxton Smith from the Texas, uh, she's Texas high school. This She's a valedictorian. And oh, nice. so I don't know if you know this, when you do valedictorian speeches, you have to submit them to the administration and they Are you saying them. you were valedictorian? Is no. that why? Oh, okay. No, Go I ahead. was not. I don't think we even had that at my school. Anyway, a lot of high schools do. Um, and, um, 
And she was giving her speech and she changed it mid, you know, she just changed it. She didn't deliver the speech. She said she was going to deliver. And she did a ver- an incredible um, speech about the, the abortion laws in Texas, the very onerous abortion laws they're passing to try to restrict abortions. You know, let's listen to it. Let's take a listen. And I'm talking about this today on a day as important as this on a day honoring 12 years of hard academic work, on a day where we are all gathered together, on a day where you are most inclined to listen to a voice like mine, a woman's voice, to tell you that this is a problem, and it's a problem that cannot wait. And I cannot give up this platform to promote complacency and peace when there is a war on my body and a war on my rights a war on the rights of your mothers, a war on the rights of your sisters, a war on the rights of your daughters. We cannot stay silent. Thank you. Where did she give that speech? At high school. In, but what, at, what part on, of the world? What part field. of the country? A, a Texas football field. And oh she's my a valedictorian. God. Good for uh, her. And right and, in the uh, middle here of Dallas it. High School valedictorian, Paxton Smith. Scrap speech said, makes him passionate. I got to find. I've written her. I'm like, please come Go and talk girl. to me. She. This speech. She was like, basically, stay the fuck off my body, you know. And here's why. But she's so smart because she's the valedictorian. Yeah. She did it. But I love that she like just did it. She just like. She just was like, yeah, I'm doing this speech about how we should move forward together and in hand in hand and this and that. Mm-hmm. And instead, she was like, patouche. Love it. Love Did it. You know, seven it. and ten valedictorians. She will be a very important yeah. figure in the junior future. senator from Texas in, yeah. in 20 years. Did you know that seven and ten high school valedictorians are girls? And I say girls because they're usually 17. Yeah. It's seven and ten. Well, and then what happens? Claire well, is going to be a valedictorian. I and, and then more go to college and more graduate from college. Young, yeah. Relatively speaking, um, and it creates a host of issues we talked about, young women are, are doing really well and young men are doing really poorly. Um, anyways, In any case. But it's, uh, Let's it's, watch uh, this for girl's her. future. Good for her. Good for I her. Can't, the fallout must be intense. But you know what? She was like... What a badass. I wish I was that much of a badass. I'll tell you that. And I don't say that often. Anyway, mm-hmm. that is the show. We'll be back on Tuesday. Paxton, congratulations. Please send us your listener mail questions. We love them. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to have a chance to be on the podcast. Uh, Scott, read us out. I'm glad you brought attention to that. I think that I think that's wonderful. It's, she's badass. Today's show is produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Ernie Intertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burroughs. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you're on Android, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Let's go listen to Lake Highlands valedictorian Paxton Smith. Well done. Well done. Leadership is the ability to take shit and sacrifice short-term popularity, economic vitality to say and do the right thing. Here's the leader, Kara. Here's Here's the leader. leader. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.